from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. I want to start reading at the first verse, read verses 1 through 3, then I want to pick up at verse 11, which is where we will hang our hats today. Luke 15, verses 1 through 3. From the Good News Translation, hear these words. One day, when many tax collectors and other outcasts came to listen to Jesus, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law started grumbling. This man welcomes outcasts and even eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Verse 11. Jesus went on to say, There once was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to him, Father, give me my share of the property now. So the man divided his property between his two sons. After a few days, the younger son sold his part of the property and left home with the money. He went to a country far away where he wasted his money in reckless living. Somebody say reckless living. He spent everything he had. Then a severe famine spread over that country and he was left without a thing. So he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could fill himself with the bean pods the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. At last he came to his senses and said, All my father's hired workers have more than they can eat, and here I am about to starve. I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. So he got up and started back to his father. He was still a long way from home when his father saw him. His heart was filled with pity, and he ran, threw his arms around his son, and kissed him. Father, the son said, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. But the father called to his servants, Hurry, he said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Then go and get the prized calf and kill it and let us celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. And so the feasting began. In the meantime, the older son was out in the field. On his way back, when he came close to the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come back home, the servant answered, and your father has killed the prized calf because he got, back, he got him back safe and sound. The other brother was so angry that he would not go into the house. So his father came out and begged him to come in. But he spoke back to his father, Look, all these years I have worked for you like a slave. I have never disobeyed your orders. What have you given me? Not even a goat for me to have a feast with my friends. This son of yours wasted all your property on prostitutes, and when he comes back home, you kill the prized calf for him. My son, the father answered, you are always here with me, and everything I have is yours. But he had to celebrate. We had to celebrate and be happy because your brother was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost. But now he has been found. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to take a marginal reading on this text. I want to 
look at it from a different perspective than the customary way. This story is often called the prodigal son. Y'all know it. Today I want to talk about the prodigal God. The prodigal God. Let's pray. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. Let my will be lost in thine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The best translations of this text don't call the son in the story prodigal. They call him the lost son. In line with this, I want to propose today a whole new reading of the story which reassigns the characters. First, I think it's important for our short little talk today to define exactly what the word prodigal means. To be prodigal is defined as spending money or resources freely, extravagantly, recklessly, or wastefully. Also, in the interest of full disclosure, this story, if you read it closely, is not told from the perspective of the lost son. It's told from the perspective of his older brother. Almost from the very beginning, the tone of the story seems slanted to put the lost son in the worst possible light. That's how we know we are seeing the story through the older brother's eyes. Anybody ever met someone who's always managing to see the worst in everybody? We ought to notice that Luke begins in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 15 by telling us what the occasion of the rest of the chapter was. As it turns out, a lot of tax collectors, those whom Luke calls other outcasts, came to listen to Jesus. These folk came not because they were interested in the Lord, but because they wanted to signify and figure out just what Jesus was all about. You do know everybody talking about heaven ain't going. There were some teachers of the law in the crowd, Pharisees in the crowd. How many know that what you say and how you say it depends a lot on who you're talking to? Jesus starts this powerful teaching by telling three stories, watch it, about lostness. The first in verses 4 through 7 is the story of the lost sheep. Y'all know it. You've been to Sunday school perhaps. You've heard it in vacation Bible school. The second story in verses 8 through 10 is the story of the lost coin. And the final one in verses 11 through 32, the one we heard this morning, is the story of the lost son. Each of these stories is a parable. Now, I hope, if y'all don't remember anything else I've ever taught you, I hope you never forget one of the main hallmarks of a parable. Hopefully some of you will remember it when I say it. A parable, family, is not some light, trite, happy little story with a moral about it. No, a parable is a story with a little bit of your grandmama's backhand in it. A parable is not a parable unless it has some of Madea's backhand in it. The story, in this story of the lost sheep, Jesus imagines that one of his audience members has a hundred sheep, he says. One gets lost. Luke doesn't say how. And Jesus makes the assumption that without question, the owner of the sheep will leave the 99 that are left and will go looking for the lost one until he finds it. 
As the story goes, he finds the sheep, brings it back to the herd, and throws a party to celebrate. Aren't you glad? In the second story, a sister has ten silver coins, maybe her dowry, but she loses one. And so without the one coin on the chain with the rest of the coins, then the necklace isn't as valuable as it was when the, all the coins were there together. Verse 8 tells us that this time the loss takes place inside the house. You do know it's possible to be inside the house and still be lost. Hunt your neighbor and tell him you better wake up for this one. Yeah, yeah, so, so, because Luke says on the lips of Jesus, this sister lights a lamp, she sweeps the house, she looks carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls the neighbors, sister Nim, throws a party. She celebrates that that which was lost in the house has now been restored to its rightful place. By the time we get to the third story about lostness, we realize that it's also important to remember how this story is set alongside two other stories or parables in Luke chapter 15. By the time we get to this 11th verse, we figure out that the parables all have a few things in common. Y'all still with me? Yes, so first of all, the, the, the parables, all of them, the one about the lost sheep, the one about the lost coin, and the one about the lost son, all have something in common. The first thing they have in common is they each deal with lostness. That character of not knowing where your place is, or not being in your place, or not being able to find your place, or being disoriented in your place. They all deal with lostness. Second, they all reveal, you math scholars, a ratio. That, that, that which was lost in the story of the lost sheep, the ratio is 1 to 99. Why? Because the brother had 99 sheep. Uh, had one sh 100 sheep, he lost one, so now the lostness ratio is 1 to 99. 99 are found and one is lost. Uh, the, 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 the story of the lost sheep, the ratio is 1 to 99, uh, suggesting the loss is not very severe. That is, if you've got 100 and you lose just one, uh, the, the, the context suggests, uh, the inference is, it ain't all that crucial. But in the story of the lost coin, the ratio is 1 to 10. Y'all stay with me, I'm going somewhere. Suggesting that the relative value of that which was lost is still small, but the value assigned to the coin makes it important enough to look for it. I ain't had but 10, I lost one. I got to look for the one in order to make the 10 valuable. It isn't that the other things that were lost are less important to the person who lost everything of those things, the sheep, the coin, and everything. Those things are crucial enough for them to drop everything and go try to reclaim them. In each parable, the one who experienced loss, watch it, throws a party to celebrate finding what was treasured. So the pattern is loss, Search, celebrate. I lost it. I search for it. I party when I find it. Everything seems fairly similar, except in the third story, it's not a thing that gets lost. It's a person. He, he, he is not lost as the result of an oversight or negligence of somebody else. He's lost because, watch it, he decided to get lost. In, in the first two stories, nobody is reported to refuse the invitation to the party. But in the third story, when time came for the party, somebody decided not to come. Is there anybody in this room who understands that if you find your place, everybody in your life ain't going to be happy about it? I wish I had some praying folk in here. So, so with, with this stuff in mind, uh, Jesus seems to be reaching out uh, during this season. And, and I want to just briefly treat the three things, the three important concepts about lostness that Jesus is teaching the field today. First thing Jesus wants us to know is this, and don't ever forget it. Lostness, family, is a destination. Not a definition. 
I wish somebody didn't miss it. Lostness is a destination, not a definition. To be lost is where you end up because of the circumstances of your life. Lostness in this case doesn't mean you just don't always know where you are. Clearly, the son knew where he was because he decided to get up and go there, didn't he? But, but lostness in this case means he's out of pocket. He's out of alignment. He's out of the circumference of the place where he's supposed to be. He is not where he should be, but he has chosen to situate himself there. He got there however he got there. He landed there. Not We're not told how, what road he took, but we do know that the reason he landed there was because he chose in his broken, imperfect self to go to this spot of his life where he had no business going. Am I telling his story or am I telling your story? Have you ever been that person who tried to find yourself but found yourself at points in your life located in a situation where you did not want to be? I'm so glad that this story lets us know that lostness was where he ended up. It was not who he was. Because the boy came from a good family. He had a daddy who could have given him anything he wanted. He had a family where there was work and prosperity. He had an occupation. He had an inheritance. This dude had it all on lock. But he chose in his imperfection to go some places where he should not have gone. Can I get me somebody who is willing at least, you ain't got to wave your hand, you ain't got to clap, you ain't got to rock, you ain't got to say amen, but can you just inside your own head say, ouch, if you are the one who has ever gone places like this brother went. Have you ever been in circumstances where you knew things weren't right? You knew you shouldn't have been there, but still you found yourself there anyhow. Can I help somebody today and tell you that the parable tells us, here's your grandmama's backhand. Boy, you knew you shouldn't have been where you went. Whap. My dear could reach around in that old Ford with them plastic seat covers that burned my little legs because they made me wear short pants. She could turn around and find you. Still driving 44.5 miles an hour down Interstate 40 outside of Memphis. She could find you. I don't know how grandmamas have that homing device in one of them hands. They can find you if they want you. She, then listen, the backhand hit him because the, the Lord knew, he knew he shouldn't have been where he was, but where he was was not who he was. That's really all I want to tell you. The mistakes you have made, you've made them. Just, just give God glory that you made it through. The stuff you left undone, you left it undone. Now stop crying over spilled milk. The places you ended up, sometimes, I see sometimes we get sanctimonious when we come to church. You know, Baptist folk, Christian folk can get sanctimonious sometimes. Well, I've never wandered anywhere. I've been in church all my life. I, I went to Sunday school. and I, Can I tell you, I wish I had a mic microscope that could see your thought life you ain't gone nowhere that you shouldn't have gone because your mama was crazy but your thought life even if you never ventured to that place your thought life was such that if anybody knew what you were thinking they would probably never speak to you again Y'all stay with me, I'm going somewhere. You, 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 but listen, lostness, the good news is, is not, is not a definition. It's just a destination. I've been in some places where I didn't want to be. I've been in some places where I shouldn't have been. I've been in company with folk who I knew were no good for me in this life or the next life. I've thought in some ways that were distorted thinking at best. But thanks be to God. This story is about a father who sees who you are and not where you've been. Aren't you glad you are not worth the sum total of the dumb things you've done in life? <laughs> I know I got me some real Baptists in here today. Hallelujah. Somebody willing to admit that lostness is a destination, not a definition. You are not, I, I wish we would stop calling children bad. You so bad. No child can be bad. 
Even the ones in juvie. I, I know Pastor Cobbins sees a lot of ones in his life. And, and our, our Shea staff, they see some children that the culture has called bad. There is no bad child. There are bad destinations. There are no bad people. There are bad destinations. Life has mangled your hopes. So you hang out with hopeless people. Life has disappointed you. Institutions have let you down. So you stop fraternizing and you've made yourself isolated and lonely. Life has served you some temptations when you were young that you were too young to discern whether they were going to be all right or not. And you did them and now you can't stop. These are destinations. Who you really are is a child of your daddy who knows where you are and that it ain't where you belong if the daddy had just given up and said oh well he was bad anyway he was a bad seed come on let's party anyway cause I still got one son who is special no that ain't what daddy did daddy was not satisfied until he could see that boy that baby that he saw and he nurtured and he cuddled that boy that he watched grow through stages of development daddy couldn't rest until that boy was found lostness family is a destination it's not a definition don't you ever let anybody tell you you're not worth it you're not worthy you're no good there's something wrong with you that's a lie from the pit of hell lostness that's what Luke tells us on the lips of Jesus it's a destination not a definition but hear this being found here in the third story is both the initiative of the lost one and the one who's looking. I know that's a big mouthful. Being found in this third story, every one of the items is found. Uh, the two items, the sheep is found, the coin is found. But here in the third story, uh, it's different than the first two. In the first story, the sheep was found because the shepherd found it. In the second story, the coin was found because the sister reached down in the sofa cushion and found it. But here in the third story, just seeing if y'all still awake, in the third story, the found condition is not just the daddy going to get the boy and finding him. It is also the boy looking at himself and realizing that he ain't all that in a bag of chips. He's not done everything he should have done. He hadn't crossed all the T's or dotted all the I's. In the third story, being found is on the boy and it's on the daddy. That, that is the moral of the story. That, that being found is really all about the extravagance of a daddy who knows you don't deserve to be found. A sheep cannot deserve anything except meals and care. A, a coin is an inanimate object. It deserves nothing. But your son, your child, once that one decides to get lost, what do you do with somebody who's so hard-headed they won't listen to common sense when you find out common sense ain't so common what do you do with somebody who just makes mistake after mistake after mistake and it seems like the more you sow into them the harder their head gets what do you do with somebody who has spent a lifetime making mistakes and bad decisions How, what do you do with somebody who rejects every good thing you've ever tried to do but they're willing to take anything you're willing to give out. Uh, what do you do with somebody who, who talks to you any old kind of way and mistreats you and, and treats you like you mean nothing and then go out and do everything they're big enough to do and want you to bail them out when the, when the crunch comes? What, what do you do with somebody who doesn't seem to have any compass morally in life and, and, and they just go hither, thither, and yon as the old folk in my family used to say? What do you do with somebody like that? What, 
what do you do with somebody who seems to have so many problems you ain't got time to solve them all they, they end up in jail this week they end up in the hospital next week they end up in prison after that they end up on the street they end up in your house talking to you like they own stuff they end up out of school they end up acting out in school they end up in the pew terrorizing folk just trying to worship God they end up in the community raising Cain and causing chaos they end up in the hospital wanting you to take care of them but they ain't willing to do what the doctor says there's some in this third story that's different than the other stories because in the third story this child has to do some stuff and the daddy has to do other stuff in this story there is sheep stuff that is if you are sheep the shepherd got to find you so you got to be obedient and willing to be brought back to where you need to be in this story both of them have a role in the redemption of this lost child the boy has to figure out wait a minute wait a minute I've been eating and dining and, and scampies and shrimp and I've been eating steak and I've been I've been living good and living large I had a place to sleep I had friends I had everything I, I'm just crazy I'm gonna get up and go back to my daddy I'm gonna go back to where I don't agree with everything he says I don't even like everything he does but I'm going back to where it makes sense for me to be situated and then then, then when he does that look what happens he gets he ain't even all the way home and daddy has already come out of the house oh God I feel a run in here daddy has already come out of the house and he's looking for his boy somehow in the middle ain't nobody ain't nobody told him ain't nobody told him who it is ain't nobody told him what he's situated how he's situated but the daddy comes out don't care what shape the child is in and he looks and the book says while he was still a great way off I think the problem with most folk going to church these days Reverend Johnson is that most folk don't realize they need Need forgiving and that's why they don't get forgiven because they ain't looking for forgiveness I know I'm running around Julian you'll just have to keep up with me the Holy Ghost will help you look look they, they feel like they feel like they want to go back but they're not welcome maybe maybe they're going to talk about me maybe they're going to not accept me when I get back the boy seems to have thrown caution to the wind but but daddy there's something about a, a, a parent come on you parents didn't you know when your children were in the house and there's a certain kind of quiet Y'all remember that? A certain, you don't see him. You don't know anything is happening. But it's a certain kind of God. I wish I could get down from here. There's a certain kind of quiet that you just, something that's a check in your spirit. Holy Ghost, what? you better go look because something is happening. Bethany, where are you? Yeah, I'm going to tell on you now. Just hang on. Hang on a second. So, so many, many years ago, Bethany was a little thing. She was adventurous. You know, she's always been just like she is right now. Pure light, just as bright and ebullient and chipper and happy, but also very, very highly intelligent, precocious and inquisitive. But she had, she liked what she liked. She loved sugar. We used to call her our little sugar baby. And so we were in the house one day and everything was going along swimmingly. And you know, there usually is a certain noise level when you have little ones right you expect that and then all of a sudden that certain quiet fell over things my wife and I said wait a minute where's Bethany and we got up and we went downstairs this is the problem of being a preacher's kid I'm sorry y'all I'm sorry I'm sorry babies we got up and we went downstairs and she wasn't in the living room she wasn't in the hallway she wasn't in the family room that we could see in the kitchen and, and so we looked for the only one other place to be since she's not upstairs is let's go in the family room we went in the family room and we didn't see her and then we said well now wait a minute she's got to be in this house because we know the door did not open and we walked into the family room a little ways and there was a sofa and, and, and there was a coffee table a sofa here and a coffee table here and there was a little space in between she wasn't but about two years old she could fit anywhere and there she sat sister had gone to the kitchen table got the whole jar of sugar off the kitchen table <laughs> went into the family room and just helped herself she was just eating sugar. Sugar was all over her face. 
milking well. You know, we ran a disciplined house, believe it. And, and she knew she wasn't supposed to have the sugar, but the sugar was calling. She went and got the sugar and she had it crusted on her face. It was all up in her hair. It was crumbling all down her arm. And when she saw us and knew she had been caught, come on you 80s enthusiasts, she started beatboxing. Boop, 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 boop. She was brilliant. She knew that would throw us off the trail. We couldn't even discipline her for laughing at the beatbox covered with sugar in the family room. Parents, no. But guess what? We loved her even more that day because it was so cute. It was so funny. Don't you know if you are that good a parent, how great can you be alongside the parent who is the figure in this story? Because in this story, the parent is not some Jewish daddy who happened to have a son. No, in this story, Jesus is letting us know that, 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 that being found is your part. You got to do some stuff to get found. Bethany did some stuff to get found. She just didn't know she was doing it she got quiet and when you do something to get found then the parent has a responsibility I got to go see about my child I'm through preaching now can I just testify hang on to me Julian listen I, I, I know I know that you've had some moments in your life where you wandered away from places that you knew you should have been can I get me somebody just to testify Lord you found me the, the, the songwriter says I once was lost Hey, but now I'm found. Aren't you glad that no matter where you went, the Lord came and found you? Aren't you glad that no matter what you've done, the Lord forgave you? Aren't you glad that no matter how many times you failed, the Lord gave you another chance? Aren't you glad that no matter how many times you fell, your daddy picked you up? Thank you, Jesus. I'm here to tell somebody. Listen, the, the, the writer of the story doesn't call the son prodigal. We've done that because he was reckless. He was spendthrift. He was, he was careless about the way he spent money and the way that he gave uh, him to himself. But here is, there is a prodigal in this story. And it's not the son it is the God who this father stands for. God is prodigal here. Because if the truth be told, you didn't deserve half of what your daddy gave you. God is prodigal because he wasted his grace sometimes on somebody who failed to even say thank you. God is prodigal because he recklessly called you and claimed you as his own even when you strayed from him like so many lost sheep. God is prodigal because he been better to you than you even been to yourself. God is prodigal because it makes no sense for him to bless you like he blesses you. God is prodigal because it makes no sense for him to make ways like he makes ways. God is prodigal because it makes no sense for him to wake you up every morning because you failed in everything yesterday. But morning by morning New mercy I see. Great God is your faithfulness. Lord unto me. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries. Hallelujah. Thank you God for being prodigal with your love. Thank you God for being prodigal with your power. Thank you, God, for being prodigal with your wisdom. When I didn't know how, you were going to work it out. You worked it out anyhow. Somebody say yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aren't you glad we have a prodigal God? He's prodigal with healing because he touched you and lifted you up. He's prodigal with mercy because he forgave you time and time again. He's prodigal with life because when the devil wanted to take you out, he let you stand up anyhow. He's prodigal with power because when you were too weak to do anything, he gave you strength and reminded you what Isaiah wrote. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. 
like an eagle. Run and not get weary. Walk and this prodigal God will keep you from fainting. Thank you, Jesus, for being a prodigal savior. Oh God, he recklessly gave his life for you. He gave himself for us. We should have been guilty, but he dropped the charges. I'm talking about a prodigal savior. We should have been on the cross, but he prodigally hung there and would not come down. We serve a prodigal God. I want you to just go in your memory bank right now. Just look inside yourself. Everybody's sitting here. I don't know if you have to, have to holler, go ahead and holler when you think about it. But I just want you to look back over your life right now. Look in your memory bank. Remember the worst thing you've done. I want you to think about the stuff you're so ashamed of in your life. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get it in your mind right now. Get it in your mind. Get it in your mind. Get it in your mind. The stuff you've done that you can't tell your family. The places you've been that you don't want to remember yourself. The failures of your past where you should have been there for somebody but you dropped the ball. The times when you were a part of a crowd that didn't do the right thing. The times when you failed God, God's self. Think about him. Just get him in your mind. Get him in your mind. And now what I want you to get in your mind is your daddy. Before you even get home, he heard the quiet in the house. He comes out to see about you. I just want you to think about how your daddy welcomed you. Think about how your daddy called you in. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Think about it. Think about it. Think about how you should have been dead. Oh, I remember so many times I, my life was on the line and I, I'm still here. Think about those times and I dare you to think about it and not give him praise. Can you just help me give God, our prodigal God, praise right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. <laughs> Listen. I'm here today because I serve a prodigal God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you here today? Wanting a relationship with him. Hallelujah, somebody. He's been so good, y'all. He's worthy of our praise. Can y'all strike that up in the key of Q? Praise him. Praise him. Talking about our prodigal God. Praise him. Praise him. Jesus. Jesus. He's a blessed, blessed Savior. Savior. Oh, he's worthy. Right now in my soul. Thank I say one more time. Praise him. In the morning. Praise him. In the afternoon. Praise him. Even in the midnight hour. Praise his him. His name is Jesus. Jesus. A name above Blessed every name. Savior. Right now I know he's worthy. He's worthy to be when I think about how good he's been, I just want to give him glory. Glory. Give him glory. Glory. In all things, give him glory. Give him glory. No matter where you are, give him glory. his name is Jesus. Jesus. Come on, I need to say it again. Jesus. 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 Call my name one day. My body Jesus. told me to run on. Jesus. He's 
with my blessed Savior. Blessed Savior. Right now I know he's worthy. He's worthy That's why I don't care what nobody else does. From the rising of the sun. From the rising of the sun. Come on, say it like you mean it. Until the going down of the sun. I've walked with him a long time and I found out he's worthy. He's worthy. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. I know, I know, I know. He's worthy to be praised. Oh, praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Everybody on Praise Jesus. He's the blessed Savior. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Those of you who've been through something, you ought to say like me, for God is my rock. For God is yes, he is. Salvation. I found out when I'm weak, y'all. He found out he's a strong deliverer. Yes, he is. In him, in him, in him will I always trust. what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Praise I don't care if ain't nobody else saying nothing. I'm going to praise him anyhow. His name is Jesus. He's the blessed Savior. I know he's worthy. Come on, family, if you keep humming that, I want to invite somebody. Hallelujah. Give him glory. I want to invite somebody who may not have a church family. This is an opportunity for you. This first call, though, is for folk who just want to know Jesus. If you don't know him like you should know him, if he's not Lord of your life and you haven't told anybody, you've been, you know, on the low, low reading your Bible. But nobody knows how deep your love for God is. This is a time for you to stand up and be counted. We're going to invite you to come and give your life to him. Right now here at the field. You can do it wherever you are. You don't have to be here in Charlotte. There are those of you watching from everywhere. You will be engaging this service. You need to know that you don't have to be here in Charlotte to be a part of the field or even to be saved here today there's a little hashtag in the bottom of your cor corner of your screen that you can put that hashtag in the chat field me CLT and somebody will reach out to you immediately Pastor Cobbins is waiting on you if you need Jesus in your life don't let today pass without getting to know him He'll forgive every sin you've ever committed. He'll be like the Father waiting on you. He already sees you far off coming to meet you. If you need a church family, you can be a part of the field. We have ways that you can do ministry right where you are in your own country. Just do it today. Give your life to him right now. Just say, I want to be a part of the field. I want to be a part of your church. Field me CLT. Anything you say, we'll come get you just like that father. And we'll make sure that God gets use of your gifts. We got deacons working in other states of the country. Hallelujah, somebody. We've got, we've got folk who are engaging us everywhere. You can be one of those. If you're here in this sanctuary, if you're there in the metasphere, just give your life to him right now. We're going to sing this refrain one more time and when we do if you're in this house and you need Jesus or you need a church family come on brother come on come on come yeah. on come on
Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Somebody praise Him. Praise Him. Jesus. Blessed Savior. Blessed Savior. He's worthy to be praised. Praise Him. Praise Him. Come on, come on. Praise him. Praise him. In the morning, in noonday, middle of the night. Praise him. Praise him. I know he's worthy. Praise him. Jesus. Jesus. He's the blessed Savior. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap offering. And let's thank the Lord. Let's give God praise for a brother who came to be baptized. Say, he's never been baptized. Hallelujah. When you pray this week, you tell the devil, you thought you had another one. That you lost today. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. That all of God's people who are not staying for the Lord's Supper say, Amen. Come on, let's go to the table. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, bread he broke it and he gave thanks he invited his friends those whom he no longer called servants to come to the table And he said, take this and eat of it, all of you. He broke it and blessed it. And he said, eat this. This is my body. It shall be broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In like manner after supper, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to his friends and he said, take this and drink of it, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, the mystery of faith. It will be shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. This do in remembrance of me. The blood that Jesus shed for me Way back on Calvary, oh, the blood that 
gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power come on let's sing that refrain and go on home it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest I've been trying to find a love like yours. But in my searching, I've discovered that you were the 